<clears throat> you've heard the old saying that things come in threes. Uh, when a celebrity dies, you think, oh, there's going to be two more. They come in threes, you know. Hmm. That may or may not be the case, but there are a lot of things that come in threes. You think about what we teach our children. When we begin teaching our children, we teach ABCs and one, two, threes, and then we get them to color and we get to show them the colors. There are three primary colors. I'm not sure I could name them, but there are three. And we go even deeper, we go microscopic level. We know that in an atom, there are three components of an atom. There's the proton, the neutron, the electron. Comes in threes. We think about water, and it comes in threes. You say, what? I said, yeah, think about this. Think about solid water. You find that in the freezer. Liquid water. Apparently, you find that in Dr. Pepper. <laughs> How about vapor? Yep. There's the threes of water, and really all material can be classified in that, solid, liquid, or gas. Uh, even our government. Uh, we have the, the big three. We have the executive branch, the legislative branch, and the uh, judicial branch comes in threes. We're, did we just make that up? Are we just that good? Hmm. Well, interestingly enough, God's uh, his divinity is stamped on many, if not all, of our social institutions. We can look at the very first institution that's found in the scripture. It's not good for man to be alone, so what did God devise? What did he set into motion? What did he put his divine imprint upon? Well, the family unit. There is the father, uh, there's leave your father and mother, and the husband, the wife, and the children that are produced. We have the Trinity that's stamped on the family unit. No wonder the world that's against God is coming after the family unit in such a, a hateful way. Yeah, no wonder. And we see this throughout Scripture. We see this divine imprint, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They said, let us make man in our own image. Here are the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're working together to create what we enjoy as the universe. Their perfect unity, their perfect submission, their perfect plan, the perfect work of the plan, it's all wrapped up in the Trinity, in the triune nature of God. Really the first holy trio. Well, there's another holy trio that I stumbled across in the book of Ezekiel. The book of Ezekiel is a fascinating book, and we have to kind of back up and make sure we know our history. We have to back up and look at uh, who this man is and uh, what the situation is as he is there uh, prophesying. Ezekiel is, the word actually means, his name actually means God strengthens. Now, there's going to be a definite need for strength for all those individuals who are uh, suffering through uh, captivity. Can you imagine an armed force coming into the United States and taking us, many of us, captive to another country? That's what happened to God's people. And there's a reason that it happened to God's people. 
We'll come to that in a moment, but I want us to think about Ezekiel and, and who he is and why he's prophesying. He's in a group of individuals known as the major prophets. Uh, what makes them major, it's a distinction that we've made up. What makes them major is uh, the length of their book generally. Now, Daniel is considered a major prophet just because of, of uh, the dynamic of his book and the importance of his book, even though it's not a long book. But the other books that are called major are just long books. Ezekiel is one of those major prophets. Now, when we come to that realization, we see, now, what did the major prophets have to say? What was, what was kind of their general emphasis? Uh, what was the message that God was trying to get across to his people? Well, the, the message was, and is, by the way, uh, it's the same for them as it is for us. Consider this, live a godly life and conform to the revealed will of God. That's step one. You want to be successful? You want to do things that please God? Here's step one. Live godly. Conform to his will. How do I do that? Well, the scripture has given us information, and he's and the scripture has given us God's will, and so it's up to us to read it and then understand it and then do it. All right? James says uh, it's good to read it, but I want you to do more than that. I want you to do it. That's a paraphrase, of course, but consider this idea of doing the word of God. Live a godly life. The second point of the major prophets, and really all the prophets, judgment's coming. <laughs> now, it may come at the end of your life, and it not may, it will come at the end of your life, uh, but it may come before that. If you live in a nation that has decided to go against God's will, if you live in a nation that says, we're not going to do it God's way. We're going to do it our way. We've come up with a better way. Judgment will come. <laughs> when you don't live according to God's will, when you don't live according to the admonition of the prophets of God, when you don't listen to the word of God, judgment will come. One way or another, it's coming. And so those two points were major in all of the major prophets. And what's really interesting underlying all of that information Ultimately, deliverance only comes through one individual. All of these prophets, major and minor, all of them pointed to one individual, one individual with the name of Jesus Christ. His name means salvation. His name means anointed one. He is God with us. Ultimate deliverance comes only in the mission of the Son of God. Jesus himself would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Now, let's get back to Ezekiel. Ezekiel, with the name God Strengthens, is giving information to the people that have been taken into captivity. And I said we're going to find out why, but let's just read it from God's Word. Open your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 14. I'll give you a moment. Find Ezekiel. And see if you can find chapter 14, beginning about verse 12. And here is God's message to the people that have just been taken into captivity from a prophet who is prophesying while in captivity. Beginning in Ezekiel chapter 14, begin verse 12. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, if a country sins against me by committing unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it, 
destroy its supply of bread, send famine against it, and cut off from it both man and beast. Even though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in its midst, by their own righteousness they could only deliver themselves, declares the Lord God. If I were to cause wild beasts to pass through the land, and they depopulated it, and it became desolate so that no one would pass through it because of the beasts, though these three men were in its midst, as I live, declares the Lord God, they could not deliver either sons or their daughters. They alone would be delivered, but the country would be desolate. Or if I should bring a sword on that country and say, let the sword pass through the country and cut off man and beast from it, even though these three men were in its midst, as I live, declares the Lord God, they could not deliver either their sons or their daughters, but they alone would be delivered. Or if I should send a plague against the country and pour out my wrath and blood on it to cut off man and beast from it, even though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in its midst, as I live, declares the Lord God, they could not deliver either their son or their daughter. They would deliver only themselves by their righteousness. For thus says the Lord God, how much more when I send my four severe judgments against Jerusalem, sword, famine, wild beasts, and plague to cut off man and beast from it. Yet, behold, survivors will be left in it who will, be, who will not who will be brought out, both sons and daughters. Behold, they are going to come forth to you, and you will see their conduct and actions. Then you will be comforted for the calamity which I, which I brought against Jerusalem, for everything which I have brought about upon it. Then they will comfort you when you see their conduct and actions, for you know <clears throat> that I have not done it in vain. Whatever I did to it, declares the Lord God. Aha! Here's another holy trio. Did you catch that? Noah, Daniel, and Job. Hmm. What was the problem? The problem was the people of God, God's chosen people, had turned their back on the plan of God, on the very will of God. They did not submit to the plan of God. <clears throat> he says, this will bring about judgment. And he says, by name, he says, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were in its midst, they could only save themselves. Whoa. That gives us another little insight into how God deals with individuals. Sometimes it's at a national level. Sometimes he deals with nations in time because they've turned their back on God. And he does this in a variety of ways. He mentions four specific uh, judgments. Notice what they are. Verse 21 of chapter 14 delineates them. He says, these are the severe judgments, sword, famine, wild beasts, and plague. Hmm. Even if Noah... Job and Daniel were in the presence of all the people of God, they could only save themselves against these four judgments. These judgments come during the life of the nation that it's turned, that's turned its back on God. Now we fast forward into the 21st century, we look around our nation and we say, hmm, 
Have we turned our back on God? Is it possible that this is a judgment of God upon us as a nation? I would say it's possible. Is it probable? I'm just curious. I'm just wondering uh, why God has been this patient. But consider what we can learn from this holy trio of individuals. Because every prophet that ever spoke from God, every preacher that actually speaks for God uh, during my time, during our time, and by the way, there's been countless of us on Facebook. <laughs> it's fascinating to think how many people are all of a sudden preaching, but here we go. And he says, in spite of all this information, there's going to be a remnant. There's going to be some of us left. There's going to be some who hang on to God. Some of us who have actually read the book and understand that God has promised to save us. Now consider these three individuals. What can we learn from these three individuals? Let's begin with Noah. During Noah's lifetime, this was a major problem, wickedness. And you think about the wickedness of our country. You think about the evil of our country. At least it's not as bad as the time of Noah. It's bad, but it's not. It can't be said that only the evil, only thoughts of evil are continually on our minds at all times. Can that be said of us as a nation? Well, there's a few of us, hopefully you, hopefully me, but there's at least a few of us. And he says, I'm going to destroy man, God says this, because this is a major problem. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What does that even imply? What does that tell us? Well, apparently, based on the information we're given about Noah, he was blameless, upright in his generation, and he walked with God. Notice it's an ongoing occurrence with Noah. It wasn't on and off again. It was not just Sunday mornings, not just Wednesday evenings, not just when he felt like it. He walked with God. It was an ongoing process. That's step one, literally and spiritually. God says, Noah, I'm going to destroy the world. I'm going to take the world out because there's nothing but evil in the hearts and souls of mankind. Nothing. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to build an ark, which is a large barge, floating box. It's 45 feet tall, 75 feet wide, about 450 feet long. So if you want, you can go out and step it off tonight in the, in the city block. It's about a city block long. And imagine the immensity of this massive box. Each floor, each deck was 15 feet in height. And so the top deck was 15, the middle deck was 15, the lower deck was 15. So we have 45 feet of decking. We have 450 feet of length. We have 75 feet of, of width. And this thing was a massive box. God brought all the animals to Noah. Noah put them all in their place. He did it exactly according to plan. What did he build it out of? Oh, that's right, gopher wood. And we look at all the dimension. We look at all the information. We say, this is impressive. Peter 
in his epistle, centuries later, would make this report. He, Noah, was one of the righteous, one of eight, a preacher of righteousness, while God brought flood on the world, the world of the ungodly. Eight people in all were saved by water. And corresponding to this, baptism now saves you, but that's another sermon. <laughs> but it's interesting that water saved Noah from what? Evil, from wickedness. And how is it that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord? He did according to the pattern revealed by the will of God. Is that a definition of you? Who's the next one? Daniel. We believe that he was taken in captivity before Ezekiel. We believe also that Daniel was relatively young, possibly a teenager, maybe 16, 17, 18. We're not really sure exactly, but he was a young man. He was one of the handsome, one of the rich, one of the uh, famous. And so he was taken and he's, he's starting to be trained up to, to serve the, the new king, the king of Babylon. And of course, he doesn't just serve the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. He serves his grandson. He remember the writing on the wall, and uh, you've been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Well, that was the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. And that night, the Medes and Persians came in and took over from the Babylonians. And Darius comes in, and he's one of the Medes, one of the Persians. And he says, I want Daniel as in part of my cabinet. I want him in my government. And so Daniel's there. He's now he's an older guy, and he's he's the Magi master, he's one of these guys that can interpret dreams and God gives him this information. And one of the rules based on a nefarious part of the, the government of Darius, it you can't pray to God. What did Daniel do? Well, he opened the window and he prayed to God and he was busted. <laughs> he went against the rule of the land. The rule said, if you pray to another God, we'll throw you in a den full of hungry lions. Darius didn't want to do that, but he'd already written the law, and so that stood, and Daniel was thrown. We know. And there's Daniel in the lion's den, and Darius is kind of walking around going, I wish I wouldn't have done that. It's like, yeah. Next morning, Daniel's alive. The lions are still hungry. But you know what we can learn about Daniel? This Part of this holy trio found in the book of Ezekiel, he didn't compromise. He refused to go with the crowd. He stood his ground. Hmm. Does that describe you? Does that describe me? We find out that this holy trio is capped with Job. Now here, and we've looked at this guy several times during this time when we're all sheltering in place and we're all doing the things we're supposed to do. It's like, here we are, and we're, we are we seem to be struggling. Everybody's talking about it. It's like, it's really not that bad. We're air-conditioned comfort, and it's like, okay, got everything we need. But interesting, here's Job. Everything's taken from him, everything. His wealth, his health, his wife even says, curse God and die. <laughs> Thanks, honey. <laughs> Thanks for that encouragement. <laughs> you know what Job's response to that was? Should we accept only the good from God and not adversity? That's a valid question, even today. 
We've been blessed, haven't we, as a nation? Haven't we been blessed beyond belief as individuals in a great nation? Should we just accept good from God and not adversity? I think that's a valid question to consider. And when we look at the, the characteristics of Job, we look at his life and the rest of his story, we find out that he became part of this holy trio in the major prophet Ezekiel because he persevered. No matter what Satan threw at him, didn't make any difference. Your children, all 10 of them, have just been killed in a catastrophe. Can you imagine getting that news? All of your wealth is gone. Your economy has just crashed. Imagine getting that news? <laughs> Maybe that's a little too close to home, isn't it? Hmm. The person that you love the most, the one that you've dedicated the rest of your life to, her advice is curse God and die? This is the lowest point of Job's life. And yet through all of that, he persevered. He said, I know my Redeemer lives. We've, we've written a song. Someone's written a song and we sing it in worship. I know my Redeemer lives. Based on what, Job? Based on what information? Everything that he's done for me. My Redeemer lives. <laughs> and so we get this holy trio in the book of Ezekiel. We get to see Noah, Daniel, and Job, and they're stacked up against the people that are there suffering from their own sin. They rejected God's will. They rejected his advice. They rejected the preachers and the prophets that came and warned them. They said, <coughs> live godly or be judged. And they said, bring it, bring the judgment. And then they cried about it. It's like, well, didn't see that coming. Ezekiel said, yep, you should have listened. And you think about the individuals in scripture that didn't make the list. <laughs> There's a pretty good list and you can make your own list, but one that stood out to me was Joshua. Joshua 1, the, what's, it, uh, what's the recurring phrase in Joshua 1? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. What does Joshua have to be afraid of? Oh, Amorites, Jebusites, Hittites, Hivites, <laughs> just to name a few, let alone the giants. Caleb says, I'll take the giants. My God and I will take the giants. Caleb, that's another one. Joshua, Caleb didn't make the list. What about, I like to think of them as twins. They probably weren't, but what about Elijah and Elisha? What about those two? <laughs> that's pretty impressive. Those two individuals are right up there. They didn't make this holy trio in Ezekiel. They didn't make it. Noah, Daniel, Job, they make it. But Elijah, remember he told the prophets of Baal, 
Call down fire on this uh, altar. Oh, yeah, see if you can get his attention. <laughs> Maybe he's on vacation, a little sarcasm. <laughs> he prays one prayer to God. After they doused the altar with buckets of water, fire comes down from heaven, consumes the altar, consumes the sacrifice, consumes the wood, consumes the stones altars made of, licks up the water, and the people hit the deck and they say, the Lord is God. The Lord is God. Yep. Elijah didn't make the list. Abraham, father of the faithful. Moses. We're talking some big guns. And they did make the list. Hebrews 11, our hall of faith. You start looking in that book and you say, these individuals, they didn't have the information. They didn't have all the information. They had just a small segment of the information. We have all the will of God. How blessed are we? So these three individuals, Noah, Daniel, Job, they remind us just how important it is to maintain a proper relationship with God. How do we do that, you might ask? Follow the pattern. There are patterns that are very obvious in the scripture. Follow them. Find them and follow them and refuse to compromise. You think you got a better way? You think you want a bigger building, a bigger group of people? Maybe you want to build a mega church. Hmm. Lofty goals. But what do you have to do to get there? Refuse to compromise. Daniel did. And then no matter what, no matter what Satan throws at you, no matter what happens along this journey called life, don't give up. Didn't Churchill once say, never, 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 never give up or something like that? Probably said it with a cigar in his mouth. Don't give up. Did Job give up? No. Job persevered for how long? Till the end. And God blessed him in the end. He had no obligation to bless him, but he did. In fact, he doubled his wealth. And so from this holy trio, Noah, Daniel, Job, we learn valuable lessons. May God bless you as you follow his pattern, as you refuse to compromise, and as you never give up.